With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robert Washett, and Nate Klaus as we are making our way here through the month of June, guys. Lots going on uh, for Nebraska here this month. Um, you know, a lot of things, but I want to start off first, guys, uh, with this weekend. I mean, you'll have Friday Night Lights on Friday. You'll have the Adidas Pipeline Satellite Camp here on Saturday. Really, Nate, this will be the pinnacle um, of, of the early or kind of the the midway flagpole of the recruiting cycle here as you know we've had the spring game uh, we've had some early unofficial visits but this weekend and particularly next weekend with the big red barbecue and another Friday Night Lights I mean this is kind of um, the the point where it starts to kind of turn typically for Nebraska yeah absolutely this is the time of the year where you know, you're starting official visits. Um, I mean, they've already had one or two you know, with Nash Hutmacher back in April and um, and everything. But between, yeah, basically between this week and next week, that's this signifies the the back end or the beginning of of the the back end of the recruiting cycle. Um, in for Nebraska, you know, this is typically the time of year where things really kind of kick off and get get rolling, where there's mo- a lot of momentum on the recruiting front. Uh, they never really start out all that fast with commitments, and and I know that as the months kind of draw on, people start to get antsy. But usually, this is when the dominoes start to fall. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of how how that all plays out. But uh, they've been on the satellite camp tour. Now they're now they're back home with their own camps and uh, Friday Night Lights and the Pipeline Camp, and and then like I mentioned, uh, a bunch of official visitors. So uh, things are really heating up in that regard. Yeah, and you know, last year there was a month delay for Scott Frost's staff uh, between commits, and th- this year uh, on the same period we're about six weeks, Nate. So it's a little bit longer than last year. Uh, but there are still three, four guys that you you kind of know, Nate, as a recruiting expert that covers Nebraska, that if you had to put a wager down, you think these guys are going to be Huskers. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think there's a handful of guys where you can kind of point to and say, well, Nebraska's either the team to beat or they are sitting really, really well with, with you know, X, Y, and Z players. And so, um, yeah, it, it's not panic mode or I don't think it's time for people to get – overly worked up about anything it's just uh just kind of how things typically work out you know sometimes sometimes they have six commits by now and and you know but usually they're they're right about the same you know as they you know right now where where they usually are in the past and that's with uh you know three commits three really good commits you got you got three four-star players two of which were in the top 50 in the country so uh it's not like they've you know it's not like they're 
piecing together this uh, <laughs> half-rate recruiting class. I think they've got guys that they really like, and and they're sitting real well with uh, with other players that they really like. And speaking of new commits here, Robin, as we talk um, about things here, Nebraska added a tight end this week, Travis Vol- uh, Vogelek. How do you pronounce the name? Vogelek. 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 Uh, deep ties to Nebraska, uh, Nebraska Omaha as well as. His father, DJ, a longtime college coach, um, you know, that's been in this area for a number of years now at Northern Iowa, tied to the staff. He's going to be a three for two traditional transfer from Rutgers as a tight end. He takes the 30th spot here for Nebraska. They had a total of 30 that they could use, 25 initials plus five countbacks for 2019. They've now used all 30. Um, I think maybe the debate is, you know, Tight end is not a need, Robin, um, but it sounds like maybe the transfer portal just didn't have what Nebraska really wanted, and you don't want to just waste that 30th spot. Right, especially when you have a guy like this who is a Lincoln native. He grew up wanting to play at Nebraska, and so he kind of has everything that you want uh, in a player uh, both on the field and off the field. So it makes a ton of sense there. And obviously the pre-existing relationships um, with Frost and, and his dad and all that. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And it kind of just fell in Nebraska's lap to the point where uh, they couldn't not take him. And, you know, I, I think they're going to try to apply for a waiver for him, or at least they're going to look into it. Uh, so maybe that will kind of dictate when he actually sees the field. But worst case, um, you know, you allow yourself to add even more depth to a tight end position that I honestly think Nebraska is going to try and get more involved more than ever this year. I know we've been saying that for like five years now, that when the tight, when's the tight end actually going to be a part of the offense again? I think that's actually going to be a concerted effort this year, and they have the horses to do it. I mean, they're three deep in that group, and then you add in a, a guy like Volkolek who – you look at his numbers, they're deceiving. Uh, I mean, he had, what, like 16 catches? I mean, he played for Rutgers. Yeah, for 120-some yeah. yards and two touchdowns. Well, <clears throat> Rutgers didn't throw the ball at all. They had the one of the worst passing games in the country, and he caught two of their five touchdown passes. And so you look at, like, the percentage of what he made up in Rutgers passing statistics. Like, if you translate that to, like, a Ohio State or something like that, it would be, like, 30 catches for 300 yards and – eight touchdowns. So, I mean, you you kind of kind of put his stats in perspective and not get caught up in what he did at Rutgers into what he potentially could do at Nebraska. And he's a he was a guy that Iowa really really wanted. And and Kansas State. And well, and Kansas State, but I mean, yeah, Iowa I, in particular. If Iowa wants a tight end, yes, you know he's pretty good. Exactly. So, not only is Nebraska adding a really good tight end that's highly thought of by a lot of people in college football, but they're taking a tight tight end away from a rival, mm-hmm. and so I, I think that's that in itself is a win-win. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've heard nothing but great things about Travis Vocal. Like I actually got to see him play in in high school. Um, it, he played against CBC in in a in a playoff game. Uh, you know, Christian Brothers College High School, where Trey Bryant was at, and, and Nebraska was recruiting Cameron Brown and Cameron Babb and, and a bunch of other kids there at this high school. Uh, and Vokalek that night was the only player uh, that, that CBC was playing against that c- could do anything against all that talent. And, uh, and he was playing outside linebacker and, and tight end, wide receiver. And, um, and I remember – I actually I talked with some people at the game that night and and uh, they said yeah that kid's going to be a really good football player and and I that's when I first learned that he was the son of DJ Vokalek and he was at the University of he was coaching at Buffalo at that point in time 
uh, with Lance Leipold. But uh, and that's part of the reason why I think he he ended up out on the East Coast is because that's where his father was at. Well, now his father's at, at Northern Iowa, and so he wanted to move back and be closer to the Midwest, uh, closer to his family. And, and I think that's where the waiver is going to come in. I don't know if he'll get it or not, but it seems like everyone's getting a waiver these days. So there, there's a decent chance, I would think, that, that he could get it. But um, but at the, at the same time, I don't know if it's the end of the world if he doesn't get the waiver um, because he has not redshirted. He went to college weighing about 200, 210 pounds. Uh, so maybe a redshirt would be. He could, if he got the waiver, though, he could use the four game rule. Yeah, yeah. He could so the do that. three for two, he could get four free games, mm-hmm. kind of the Noah Vedral uh, deal. But he was, uh, he took more snaps at Rutgers than any tight end last year 393 snaps. Um, you know, so he, I don't know if he was technically their starter, but the next tight end was at 272, Jerome so, Washington. He was, he only played six. I think Washington might have been their starter, if I remember right. He was the starter. He was undrafted free agent by, um, was hurt, did he get hurt last year? He got hurt, and he, he ended up being an undrafted free agent, uh, I think by the Chargers, maybe. Um, so, I mean, the guy that he was technically behind at to begin the season wasn't, you know, chopped yeah, he, liver. He was a pro prospect. Yeah. Clearly. All right. All right. Well, you're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Guys, I want to get to this, too. Um, another marijuana incident involving Nebraska football players this week, Wondell Robinson was cited with possession um, of marijuana, and it, or it, was, it was found in his vehicle. Was that, yep. I've been on jury duty all week, so um, I've been on the other side of things in the legal process, so I, I haven't been able to really brush up on this whole thing, but uh, found in his vehicle under an ounce, um, but just another, you know, yeah, a, a week after Maurice Washington was yeah. found with paraphernalia and a hot pipe um, still in his possession, um, and then in between all that, Maurice Washington had another court date, which basically got pushed back now to July 25th. So a lot going on there uh, with some of the legal stuff, Robin. Yeah, not the headlines, obviously, you want to be having right now, especially less than a week apart from each other. And, you know, as we've said before, uh, I think regardless of kind of what your stance is on what should and shouldn't be legal, the reality is that Marijuana is illegal in the state of Nebraska. It's illegal on Nebraska's campus. It's illegal by the NCAA. It's illegal by Nebraska's own personal conduct policy. And so don't do it. Don't have it. And if you're going to like insist on doing it, be smarter. Don't do it in your dorm room. Yeah. Don't just be like blazing in your car, whatever it is. I mean, like at some point, these kids got to like kind of handle their own business a little bit and just make better decisions. And, um, you know, it's kind of the process that you're going through when uh, you're trying to build a culture that kind of polices itself a little bit. You're going to have instances like this. And what I'm curious to see is, um, I mean, obviously Maurice's legal situation is a whole nother story, but as far as instances like this, how does Frost do it? I mean, at what point does the coaching staff step in and make a hard line, uh, zero tolerance, three strikes or whatever it is, and what do they do with the maybe the leadership council? Do they have players like step in and say, you know, you guys are going to govern yourselves. And at some point, you guys got to start policing yourselves. And so they're at a pretty good opportunity now with two instances in less than a week uh, to start maybe taking some steps and uh, – shutting this thing down before it gets any further. And, Nate, there might be more with this Wandell thing. We don't even know yet. I mean, we obviously know the charge, but there could be more to the story in-house um, that could be going on as well. Yeah, I think there's – I mean, with with everything that happens like this, there's always, I think, a lot more to the story. Um, and, you know, when I first heard the news, I was completely shocked because from being able to get to know Wandell through the recruiting process, it just did not seem to fit, um, you know, his character – 
you know, he's he's a really intelligent kid. Seemed like he's always got his act together um, and, and is pretty focused and kind of sees the big picture. And I think a lot of times when you're talking about, you know, freshmen or, or younger kids on the team, that's part of the deal. It's, it's their little bit of immaturity. They don't necessarily see the big picture. And so they're making bad decisions and doing things they probably shouldn't be doing. Uh, but Wandell Robinson never really struck me as that kid. So I wouldn't be surprised if there is a little bit more to this story, um, you know, and, and if that, you know, ends up coming out at a later date or whatever. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, this is regardless of, of what it is, it's a bad situation and, and something that uh, you hope that it gets kind of rectified. I mean, it's everywhere. It happens on every campus. Um, you know, it's on every football team, but you, you have to you have to be smart about it. Yeah, it's a law. I mean, it's, it's a team rule. It's exactly. a law. Yeah, and high level athletes at a Division one level. Yeah, when you, you know that up, are trying to perform at that level probably yeah. shouldn't be doing that. They yeah. shouldn't be doing that. No, stuff. I mean that's that's really the facts. When you sign up to play college football, regardless if it's at Nebraska or wherever, you're, you're basically saying, okay, so I'm gonna. I'm gonna follow, follow. I'm different. Yeah, I'm following. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm different. I'm gonna follow the rules. I'm gonna follow the laws. Whatever. So, uh, so yeah, not a great thing. But you know, like Robin said, I think it's gonna be interesting to see how Frost handles this whole deal. All right, then, Robin. Briefly here, basketball schedule came out, and <laughs> not a lot of yeah. underwhelming to say the least. I'll, I'll tell you one thing though; it's still gonna be sold out. Oh no! And well. you know, we've we've got a mutual buddy that is involved in tickets, and you know, he's anticipating prices for PBA to be as high as ever been, especially for early games that typically don't draw. I mean, there's still going to be, they, they could have Doan coming in there and they're going to have Doan coming in there they and, and they're going to sell that game out. Yeah. That'll be the unofficial debut with the loan exhibition game on October 30th. But yeah, I mean, we knew they were going to schedule light, but this is about as light as it possibly South Dakota gets. state's like the best home game. That is the best home game. And last year they finished 92nd in the final RPI rankings. So, and they were the only team that had a 500 record or better that's coming to PBA in the non-conference. And so your best games are at Creighton, at Georgia Tech, and then whoever they are to be paired against in the Cayman Islands Classic uh, in late November. And, and to be fair, they have 22 today that we know power league games, 20 conference games, Creighton, Georgia Tech, yeah. and then whoever they play in the they islands. get a couple more. And game. they might get two. So you're looking at 23, 24 power league games, if not 25. So – it's a decent schedule. It just is going to suck in Lincoln for the non-conference, but that yeah. might be what this team needs. Yeah, and so keep in mind, when they assembled the majority of this schedule, they barely had a team. I mean, like I'd say probably about 80% of the roster was still yet to be determined. Their starting so, five was like Brady Hyman and yeah, Thor. and dudes that aren't here. Amir Harris. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they had no idea what they had to work with. And so rather than uh, just kind of schedule like you normally would to, to build an NCAA tournament resume – they scheduled to make year one kind of an easy transition and provide some opportunities to gain confidence and build momentum and have some tangible evidence that what Fred Hoiberg is doing is going to work. And now they're going to face a meat grinder in the Big Ten, but uh, at least the first part, they get some tests. It won't be nearly daunting, uh, but it'll allow ample opportunity for this young team that's never even been in the same room together uh, to kind of gel a little bit. All right, when we come back, the one, the only Mike Wheeler will join us in studio for the mailbag. We'll take your questions next here you're listening to the husker online show this is husker online your authority on nebraska athletics and we're back here on the husker online show sean callahan robin washett nate klaus taking your questions here in the mailbag with mike wheeler husker line intern joining us here in studio as he's pretty much the only intern left in town i think Allie's in chicago grace is in spain 
Alex on the World Series of Poker Tour, as far as we know. We don't, we don't know where Alex's at right now. Um, but what do you got, Mike? Uh, start us out in the mailbag. All right, so we'll start out here in recruiting. So of the two prospects on Nebraska's board for 2021, do you see Peter Costelli or Santonio Marucci being a better fit for the Huskers offense? I'd, I'd have to go with Costelli right now, and just because I think he's a little bit more athletic. I think they both have very strong arms. But I, I would say that Costelli, um, you know, he's a 10-8, 100-meter guy. He was the first offer, too, right? Yeah, and he was the first offer, um, well, between those two. And so and, and Nebraska was his first offer. He's since blown up. He's got, you know, close to 10, 10 offers. Most of the Pac-12 now is, has offered him. But, uh, yeah, I, I, would, I would lean more towards Costelli just because I think he's a little bit mo- more mobile, a little bit more athletic. All right, uh, moving on here. So just sort of a f- uh, future football question. If something as unfortunate as a season-ending injury were to occur to Adrian Martinez, do you think the staff would sacrifice Luke McCaffrey's red shirt to revive the season, or do you think they would lean on Noah Vedrill to quarterback the rest of the year? I, I think you have to see how it plays out. I mean, just just to assume that McCaffrey's better than Vedrill is a big assumption right now. Noah Vedrill's played in a lot of Division One games already for two seasons, particularly at Central Florida where he got a lot of games logged as McKenzie Milton's backup. He's grown, he's matured. He doesn't have the elite-level arm strength of some of the quarterbacks on the roster, but he's got the upper, you know, the knowledge, the mental knowledge of what to do. So that's a tough one. I think it's a big assumption. I do love Luke McCaffrey, though. I think he's a very talented player. And, you know, I talked to Mario Verdusco um, Sunday at the 7-on-7. We were talking for a while, and he said he was just amazed how Luke McCaffrey literally had the whole playbook learned and studied before he even got to campus. And and that's unheard of at this level to see a guy walk into the meeting room day one and just speak the language like he did. So um, it would be an interesting battle, but I think a big assumption is to assume it's automatically McCaffrey. Well, yeah, and with the redshirt rule too, I mean, you could have the, uh, the luxury of toying with McCaffrey for a little bit with zero consequence. So, uh, you know, they'd have options, but right now uh, I'm with Sean. I think that uh, it'd be hard to, uh, you know, just assume that McCaffrey would be the guy uh, just given the, the experience factor and the fact that he's just been on campus for a handful of months. And so, you know, hopefully uh, this is a discussion that we uh, do not have to have come the fall. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm leery of even like jumping into this. Like, I don't want to be a part of any sort of jinx or anything like that. But yeah, I think, I mean, I think you'd have to automatically go with Vedral and then maybe see if you can't have an opportunity to throw McCaffrey in there to see what he can do. But, uh, but yeah, I think you, you would probably lean more towards the guy that has a little bit more experience. I, you know what always drives me nuts, guys, when someone says, if Nebraska loses Adrian Martinez, their season's in the tank. I mean, other than you about – You say that for any college uh, Other than team. Alabama and Clemson because of their defenses – or a team like that with the running all the other players they have. That's any team in college football. So it's, yeah, that, that that's an old take. Um, any team that loses a starting quarterback, a good starting quarterback especially, is going to have a, um, a tough season. But what do you got next, Mike? All right, so uh, you guys had a pretty busy uh, last few weeks here with uh, the Adidas camp circuit. So what were your guys' general impressions of Nebraska's impact and presence at those camps? Well, I was only in Georgia at the Mercer camp, and Nate and Greg were also in Miami for the two down there and then Tampa as well. But, um, you know, they go down with four coaches. Um, they have a strong presence. Uh, I know Mike Riley, the year they did it, the one year they were there, they, they used to send all, all 10, 11 coaches. I guess it was only nine assistants and one head coach of that, that year itself. But um, they, they try to maximize it. They try to get guys there that they want to see. 
um, because it's a rare opportunity to go down to a kid's home turf and conduct a workout, conduct an evaluation, um, just have a chance to interact and coach a prospect or visit with a prospect. But I thought it was solid. I, I don't think you see immediate things right away, but Hell, uh, Mariucci, this quarterback Nate they just offered, he was at the Florida Atlantic camp, and Mario Verdusco was able to watch him throw that day, and the offer came shortly after. Yeah, I mean, there's there has been a handful of new offers, and and probably dozens of new kids that are you know new prospects that are on on the radar now. Um, you know, I, I think the biggest takeaway, and like Sean said, it's this is the satellite camps are n- not usually going to be like immediate an return. Immediate return. This is kind of an investment. Uh, you know, for the future. And, and I think that, uh, you know, maybe one of the things that impressed me the most is just seeing how, how the coaches do interact with, um, you know, with some of the players that they've been recruiting that they wanted to get out to those camps or even, you know, some of the, the high school coaches and trainers and whatnot that, uh, you know, that they're familiar with in the area. I mean, these are the coaches that were in at the FIU camp, FAU camp, USF, they, uh, you know, the, those are areas in the Mercer camp too. I mean, um, Sean Becton, for instance, at the Mercer camp, I mean, he's been recruiting the state of Georgia now for 15, 20 years. He's got connections all over the state. And so there were a lot of coaches and a lot of people there that, that wanted to say hi to Sean Becton because they knew who he was. And, and I think, you know, having, having guys like that back in those areas, back in South Florida and, uh, you know, places where they're familiar and, and you know, kind of spreading your brand and, and having a presence with the Nebraska in on their chest, I think is a big deal. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Mike, what do you got? I think we got time for uh, two more. All right, so more of an overarching kind of baseball question. So since joining the Big Ten, many Husker baseball fans have considered a regional tournament appearance as the benchmark for a successful season. But now that Michigan is going to appear in Omaha this year, has the bar been raised for Nebraska baseball? Well, Indiana appeared in Omaha as well. So you've had two Big Ten teams appear in the College World Series now in the eight seasons Nebraska's been in the conference um, so that's a pretty good return. 25% of the time, a Big Ten team now has been in the CWS. But um, I, I think people forget when Nebraska first joined the Big Ten, they went three straight years without making the Big 12 tournament. That meant they finished ninth or 10th, um, or I, I, the, the, the bottom two teams in the Big the Iowa State and at baseball. So uh, Nebraska had a finish in the bottom two or three to not go, and they did that three years in a row. So when they got in the Big Ten, I think people just assumed the baseball would just go back to what it was. I think the the the, the teams in the conference were maybe a little better than people thought. There was some better Friday night pitching and you know better starting pitching than the people were expecting in this league. But the bottom line is Nebraska baseball when they got to the Big Ten was not the Nebraska baseball that was playing in the Super Regionals. And you know I almost just appreciate that era more, Robin, mm-hmm. for what it was. When you see how many guys went pro, when you see what Dave Van Horn and Rob Childers have done at A and M in Arkansas. I mean, we were witnessing a very, very special era of Nebraska baseball that is not going to be easy to duplicate. Yeah, but I think that you know Michigan is just the latest instance uh, and evidence that it can be done. And Nebraska, no doubt, it can be done. Yeah, I mean, Nebraska just whipped Michigan to end the regular season. They in, took in three out of five this season. Yeah, and so I mean, they're not that far away. And so uh, to think that you know it's a, some unattainable thing for Nebraska to rebuild what to what it what maybe not to what it used to be, but at least somewhat close. Um, I think is 
just flat out wrong. And I think you get the Indianas and the Michigans and all these schools that, uh, you know, the Big Ten, I, I agree with you. It shows that the Big Ten's better than some people give it credit for. But two, that Nebraska is in position to make a, a quick jump. And they beat Texas Tech this year, Nebraska. Yeah. And, and so, more I mean, two against Bay, or CWS teams. Yeah. And so Nebraska's road to returning to relevance and to the type of prominence that it had in the late 90s, early 2000s, I don't think is as far away as some people think. And it all takes is just kind of the right combination of, you know, recruiting and uh, a mentality schedule favor and a, and a mentality to, to get back there. Yeah, I think it does raise the bar. I mean, to, to keep simple, I, I think that, I mean, this is proof that it can be done and that it should be something that that you can say, you know, that you should put on the list like, okay, well, they, they should be making regionals, super regionals, and, and every now and then they should be getting really close to, or making it to, to, to Omaha. I, I think it's it's doable, it's possible, and, uh, you know, Nebraska is a program that's invested in their, in their baseball team and their baseball program, and so – uh, I think this is something that, you know, you can't expect every single year, but I think it's something that, that uh, you know, you should you should say, okay, this is an attainable goal at the very least. Final question, Mike Wheeler, what do you have? All right, so what are your guys' Husker comfort games, the games that you go to when you're jonesing for some football to watch? Husker comfort game? I mean, just like the games that you just love to watch, like re- you can watch it over and over again. One that I always enjoyed was that 05 Alamo Bowl when they beat Michigan. Just because Nebraska, talent-wise, had no business winning that game. I mean, it was like an NFL team on the field, Michigan. They had literally like 18 draft picks on like their on their team that year. It was crazy. I mean, over a two- or three-year period, it was a loaded Michigan team that played nearly for a national championship the next year. That one was a fun one just to see Zach Taylor and Corey Ross. Yeah, Corey Ross's like second half was unbelievable. When and they like, made that comeback. They made Michigan just look slow. And, mm-hmm. and you know, you had Adam Ickes, who was like, basically he, he needed shoulder surgery, and he played through the game and, like, was tackling, like, Steve Breston on kickoff returns and then had, like, shoulder surgery, like, the next day. I mean, it was – Was it Blake Tiedke playing Blake safety? <laughs> who was – was it Breston, the returner for Michigan? Stevie Breston. Like, I mean, he was so much faster than mm-hmm. everybody Nebraska had. That Michigan team was loaded. <laughs> Mario so, Manningham. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, but for whatever reason, the 95 win at Michigan State when they whipped that Nick Saban team. The Lawrence Phillips catch the shotgun Yeah, snap it was game. a total blowout. And But, like, that game is when I think of the 95 team, obviously the, the Fiesta Bowl. But that Michigan State game, I think it was because, like, that's back when we had VCRs. And I taped that game. It was an 11 a.m. ABC yeah. game. And I remember just watching that tape of that game over and over and over. And so, like... Uh, man, Nick Saban, just wave after wave, they would take out the starters, and then the second team would just go bananas. And then the third team, Amon Green, this freshman, comes on, scores a couple touchdowns. It was just ridiculous how good that team was. And then looking back, seeing Nick Saban all flustered like that added a little. And Tom Osborne said to Nick Saban after the game, he said this years later, You're not as bad as you think you are right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hang in there, champ. Because <laughs> they beat him the next year in Lincoln pretty similarly. But Nate, what's yours? Well, the the Colorado game where Alex Henry hit the field goal. Oh, yeah, Domican Sue had the, the the pick six. I mean, that's that's a game that will put a smile on anybody's face, I, I think, when you're talking about beating Colorado and the way that they beat them. Um, you know, and 
I mean, watching Indomitian Sue just uh, stiff arm. Haskins. Uh, what, what was the quarter? It was the Hawkins. 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 Yeah, Hawkins. Cody. Hawkins. Cody Hawkins. Yeah, Cody Hawkins. And then throw. He didn't get flagged for that when he no, threw the no, ball. He spiked, the ball. spiked it right. He in the, threw it yeah. like I was. I don't think I was standing right next to yeah. you. We were standing we were in the by corner Keith Van. Keith Van goes, well, Sue just solidified all Big 12. Because at that point, it wasn't like a sure thing. I mean, Sue was good, but that was kind of like yeah. the turning game. That was right before his breakout. And then the, the Clemson Bowl game when Dabo Sweeney. I mean, who would have thought Nebraska would have manhandled Dabo Sweeney team at the line of scrimmage? CJ Spiller was on that team. Man. Yeah, that was a good and they had yeah, that was a good Clemson team. All right, young Mike, your game's probably like from fifteen or sixteen. Uh, no, mine's actually <laughs> two thousand ten Missouri, Ooh. the uh, Roy Halu mm, game. Nice I love one. that nice game. Yeah, now the the O nine game was when Sue twisted yeah, the leg that, of Blaine that was, Gabbert. That was the rain. That was the rain game. The rain game. In, in Sue in got that pick. And that was a Thursday yeah. night game too. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, Robin and I rode with Ross Jernstrom. If I remember right, yeah. in, a, in a Channel Six, I used to work for Channel Six. Then it was a min, in the minivan. We rode down in Columbia, and it was. It was yeah. it was a uh, long ride in that rain. God, Hulu was unbelievable in that ten game. Missouri oh, yeah. came in. I think they were number six that game yeah. too. Because Martinez was on his top of the mountain at that point. And then he hurt his foot. That was the turning. He hurt his foot that game. That was think, the turning yeah, was point of Martinez's game. career. He was like a Heisman, like New York invite. Sure. He was going, a finalist at that point after that Thursday night game in Manhattan. But all right, guys. <laughs> Sidetracked. We went way over time here, but that's okay. It's June. Uh, when we come back, I've got a couple of interviews I'm going to start with. Uh, we're going to bring in Sean Becton, Nebraska's tight end coach. Had a chance to catch up with him on the road. We'll hear from Coach Becton next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, as we continue along, we're in the middle of camp season. Nebraska, obviously, you just heard, we'll have two of their bigger camps here this weekend. But last week, we had a chance to go on the road and uh, watch Nebraska at all the satellite camps on the Adidas Tour in, in both South Florida and Georgia. And during that time, I had a chance to catch up with Nebraska's tight end coach, Sean Becton. Here's my full interview with Sean Becton. Okay, Sean Callahan here. We're back on the Satellite right. Camp Tour. Great. We're in Macon, Georgia at Mercer. This is kind of your neck of the woods. Uh, we're with Sean Becton. Uh, it's always good for you to get down in this part of the country. Of course, you get to see a lot of uh, good prospects, but also you get a lot of see a lot of good high school coaches that uh, I've been friends with for um, over 30 years now. And then some of the college coaches are here in the South that you know I know that recruit the same area as I do. Well, it's fitting we're in Georgia because this year was one of Nebraska's best recruiting years they ever had in Georgia. What do you think? And the year before was Florida for you guys. I mean, why was Georgia kind of more of a point of emphasis the way your recruiting class fell a year ago? I think it, what, the momentum we had at UCF, um, all the things that we did there, the style of offense, style of defense, the special teams, and uh, the brand of Coach Frost uh, really helped us attract kids to Nebraska, followed us up there. and. And it's going to continue. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we're here, making our presence known that we're still going to recruit the South and, and uh, get quality players up to uh, Lincoln. Yeah, a lot of people, when they talk about recruiting, it's always Florida, California, Texas. But, I mean, Georgia's kind of quietly put himself in that conversation as maybe the fourth best state. I mean, how do you see Georgia when you kind of evaluate other states? Well, the uh, coaching, uh, the biggest difference is coaching. Those, these kids come in and work. Uh, a lot of these coaches uh, treat um, their 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 uh, job as 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 passionate as I've seen in the country. Uh, those guys have those kids coming in. They got nutrition systems set up for them, and you know they got a lot of things that they've kind of budgeted to try to help develop uh, young men and uh, makes our job easy when we get those kids into the university. During like the eval period of the five six weeks your guys are out. I mean, how many weeks do you say you spend in Florida, Georgia, when you're kind of in this part of the country? 
Well, it's been a little bit different for me in uh, Nebraska. Uh, UCF was, you know, we didn't have to go very far. Now uh, I'm responsible for tight ends uh, in my area, so I'm kind of national there. But, you know, for me, within a six-week period, six period, I tried to make sure I was here for three weeks uh, this year uh, recruiting this area and then really looking at kids for 2020 class but also building um, some type of database on the 2021s and 2022s. So uh, spring football has really, really escalated into a, a, a situation where you got to kind of get on kids a little earlier than you have been. You know, so you got to kind of be aware of some of the younger kids also. Yeah, and you talked about your tight end room. I mean, it seems like that's on pretty solid ground right now. You, you've got everybody back for at least two more years in a row, if not longer, in that room. I mean, what did you like about the growth of that room here going into your second season? Very happy where they are as far as uh, the weight room. Uh, the biggest thing that I've saw in the spring, those guys are a lot stronger in every facet as far as their upper body and then also their explosiveness coming through their legs, you know, and then their overall knowledge of, of the scheme of things that we're trying to provide with those guys. Uh, you know, from top to bottom, I think we're going to be a really, really strong uh, group. Um, I want to keep the competition um, up daily so those guys can continue to compete on, on a daily, daily basis. I'm not going to anointing a guy. So I want those guys to continue to work throughout this summer. And you know, Jack Stoll is kind of the leader in that group and he's kind of taking control of a lot of the individual meetings and individual drills right now in the off season. So I want him his time to kind of step up and be a leader for us. Have you seen Jack's hair lately? That mullet, I'm going to cut it off when I get back. <laughs> but, uh, we got a golf outing with, with the tight ends. Uh, here in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting around those guys and getting off the camp trail here in another couple weeks and, and getting around those guys and spending some good quality time before I can shut it down with my family before season starts. Yeah, for you coaches, it is nice. I mean, how nice is I'm sure a lot of the wives and kids love that one month dead period where you can't host recruits on campus and you obviously can't be on the road at camps or recruiting trips. I mean, uh, that's probably one of the best rules they put in, the, in college football the last few years. Yeah, that helps us a lot. I, I'm, I'm really, really glad that they made that sacrifice to get us a, a situation where we know our, our wives and our kids know that this is a time that we can spend with them and obviously coach frost is gonna gonna make sure that we get away and, and recharge our batteries and spend the most time we can with our families and when, when august comes around we're ready to go back to work and i promise you this was the worst winter in 100 years <laughs> in nebraska it's not like this every year hopefully this was the worst you'll ever see I hope it is. I'm, I'm claiming this year is going to be a very, very nice winter for us. You know, my wife, this was a really first year up there during the winter, and she struggled uh, mightily. But um, I'm, I'm claiming there's going to be a better winter for us and a really, really great season for us this year. Well, Coach, thanks a lot for taking some time out here. Best of luck. We'll see you back in Lincoln. No problem. Appreciate what you guys do. And thanks again to Nebraska tight end coach Sean Becton here for joining us on the Husker Online Show. We have more, though, from the Satellite Camp Tour. We also caught up with Nebraska's newest member of the coaching staff, Tony Tuioti. You'll hear my full interview with Coach Tuioti next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, we just heard from Sean Becton as I talked to him on the road at Nebraska Satellite Camps in Georgia. Well, also had a chance to catch up with Tony Tuioti, Nebraska's newest hire defensive line coach out of Cal. Here's my full interview with Coach Tuioti here from the Satellite Camp Tour. 
All right, we're back here on the Satellite Camp Tour, now joined by Nebraska's newest member of the coaching staff, defensive line coach Tony Tuioti. I got that right, didn't I? You did, man. You did an awesome job. I'm trying to get you the I and the E. You there you go. go. Yeah, that's a little nugget. Eyes are easy. These are eyes. Now, you've been at Nebraska now a few months. It was kind of a quick transition for you and your family. How have you acclimated to kind of joining a new staff, a new conference? You were in the Big Ten before, obviously, but just kind of getting everything set, set up here in Nebraska. Uh, it's been really easy. Coaching staff, uh, they accepted me with open arms, so it's been an easy transition. And, uh, you know, Coach Frost just wanted me to get in and start working with the guys. And, and I thought our guys did a good job this, this spring picking up the scheme, the new techniques that – um, you know, I try to teach them, and they did a great job just pushing each other and trying to get as good as they can in the 15 practices that we had. Was the depth and the talent even maybe better than you anticipated after you got a chance to have those guys during the spring on the defensive line? Yeah, you know, they're they're a lot bigger. They're a lot more athletic than, uh, you know, uh, the other places I've been at. But, you know, the thing I was really proud of them was just the, the, the way they came out and they worked each and every day to push themselves to be the best they can. So we need that type of uh, output in order to get where we want to be at. Yeah, when you when you look at Darian particularly, I mean, he's just as new as Nebraska as you are. I mean, what what did he bring to your room as a graduate transfer that came in there right away? Um, just the the attitude of wanting to become as, as good as he can be. You know, he's uh, he's very demanding in terms of making sure that everybody does things the right way. And uh, you know, in our room, we just try to hold each other accountable and try to produce each and every play that we're out there and try to be effective and make plays and show up and be present. Those things are important and we talk about that all the time in our room and you know, for him to come out and not only say it, but you know, actually show it by example, that was big. So a lot of guys kind of saw that and they, they want to be like that too as well. So it was great for us to have somebody like him. He makes such a big impact, not only with our defensive line group, but that's starting to spread out too with the, de the whole defense as a whole. And you'll bring in a pretty highly touted guy in Ty Robinson. Uh, is Ty on campus yet? Yeah, Ty's on campus now. And, um, you know, he's starting to get into the uh, the workouts with Coach Duvall and, you know, and start getting uh, some of the defensive line drills with the older guys. So it's an exciting time for a lot of those new guys. And, you know, when uh, Newsom's in too as well. And so it's good to have the young guys in. Were you familiar with Ty Robinson when you were at Cal? Yeah, you know, I was recruiting Ty. Um, Ty was obviously, obviously one of the big recruits out west. So um, I know he had family ties here to Nebraska, and that was going to be hard to overcome, you know. But, um, you know, like I said, and, and he texted me and he said, Coach, you're following me here to Nebraska. So he made the right move. And, you know, you've, the thing that's different about Nebraska is the national recruiting. But for you, you've kind of always been a guy that's recruited a lot of different regions. Has the recruiting adjustment for you at Nebraska been much? I know for some of these South Central Florida guys, it, it was kind of an adjustment having to go national. But you've kind of been all over the country, it sounds like. Yeah, you know, um, you know, even when I was in Hawaii, I recruited out at Florida, you know, and I've, I've gone all the way to Coffeyville, Kansas. So um, to me, it's anytime we can find a player that can help our program and try to go and, you know, and the relationship's the biggest thing. Um, being at Michigan, obviously, that, that also helped me get around and, and, you know, try to recruit nationally. So um, Nebraska has a great brand, got great fans, and that just helps in the recruiting, uh, the recruiting prospects and that. Ken and I know um, is a guy that came from Cal, I mean, in, as a grad transfer. What do you know about him? I mean, he's a guy that you've been around, obviously, before. Uh, what will he bring to the locker room as a, as a new player from Cal? Uh, just, you know, just playing experience, being more mature. You know, he's he graduated last month, and, you know, he's really smart. He works really, really hard. He doesn't say much, but he leads by example. But, you know, just being at Cal, every third down, I looked on the sideline. I said, man, please throw the ball to him. And he just finds a way to compete and bring the ball down. And, He's come up with so many big-time plays for us there at Cal, and I just hope he continues to do that for us this year. 
I saw you in Hawaii. You talk about Hawaii. Um, you and Eric Chenander went out to Hawaii. You spent some time with Tony Finotti and uh, you know Dominic Ryle is out of Hawaii. There's been some great success there a long time ago. How do you get that back at Nebraska to maybe get some more Hawaii natives and guys from the islands over over to Nebraska? Uh, just recruit them, you know, and just being present and building that relationship with them there. Um, I'll tell you what, we walk on campus there and, and a lot of people still remember those names going out to Nebraska, not only going there, but having great careers there at Nebraska. So we kind of use that to our advantage in trying to recruit them and educate them. But, you know, a lot of kids already know in the islands that Nebraska is a big time place. So we just got to get them on campus and continue to build a relationship. And, you know, Coach Frost and Coach Shenander has got a great track record in Hawaii, having coached some of the best kids that have ever played there, you know, and Marcus Mariota out of Oregon. And then, you know, they had the Mackenzie Milton kid out there too as well. So, you know, they know they take care of kids out there. And that's the biggest thing families are looking for is, are you going to be able to take care of my kids? And, you know, and that's, that's what the building's all about. It's about family first. So um, it's a great fit for kids to come out there and come see. How many days were you and Shenander out in, in Hawaii this year for the spring period? Uh, together? Yeah. Uh, we were probably together maybe, I can't even count it, but about a good fair amount, The last, especially the last couple of weeks, I would say maybe about six days we were together. So, I mean, that's one of those places when you recruit, you have to commit, I mean, the time to get out there, the time to get around. I mean, it, it, is, is that part of the battle with knowing to want to recruit Hawaii or not is can you commit the time? Is it worth the time to go out there? Yeah, I think it's definitely worth the time. Um, but, you know, again, it's about the relationship. We're not just going to go out there just to go out there. There's got to be mutual uh, interest on both sides. And, and there is, you know, there's enough interest out there with a lot of kids that really want to come out and see what Nebraska is all about. And it's an exciting time. You know, everything's training the right way for Nebraska football. And so, um, you know, I think it's going to be exciting and we'll be able to get some kids out of there. You got the family all moved to Lincoln, is that right? Yeah, families all moved out to Lincoln. So it's just, I'm just glad they're finally out here and, and enjoying Lincoln and, and being a part of the whole process. And we're very grateful to be in, in Nebraska and be a part of the program. And, um, you know, just sky's the limit. We just want to work hard. And, you know, and, uh, you know, my kids want to already start seeing what their school is going to be like so it's a fun time for us to be back in uh, for them to be in Lincoln now. Well, Coach thanks a lot for the time here at the Satellite Camps look forward to seeing you back in Lincoln. Thank you appreciate it thanks for having me. All right much more to come here thanks. And thanks again to Coach Tony Tuioti here for joining us on the Husker Online Show. When we come back we'll wrap things up with Nate Klaus with some final thoughts from the Satellite Camp Tour and also uh, maybe some things on potential commits brewing. That's all next here as we close the show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Final segment here of the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we're going to talk some more recruiting. Uh, we already hit on it. Nebraska Nate's going to have their one of their biggest uh, recruiting events going on, uh, Friday Night Lights, and then obviously uh, the Pipeline Camp this weekend, then one more Friday Night Lights Camp. But what did it get to this point first, Nate? We were on the road. Um, I was out in Atlanta and Mercer with you guys uh, in Macon, Georgia, you continued the tour and went off to uh, Miami, to Florida Atlantic, Florida International, and then you got to see Tampa at Charlie Strong's. Um, I mean, what was – I mean, if you had a, just a big takeaway from everything you saw on the road last week, because Nebraska was out in full force. On Saturday they had 14 coaches out because you can put GAs out on yep. top of assistants. So they had 14 of their available 15 bodies working camps because Scott Frost would be the 15th body in that situation. Um, you know, what do you think they gained out of this last week? 
Well, I mean, they covered a lot of ground, that's for sure. Um, you know, between having their own camps on campus and, like you said, the the satellite camps associated with Adidas and, and, and the other camps uh, from, you know, other portions of the country, they covered a ton of ground. They got to see a lot of kids, uh, you know, a lot of new – a lot of new faces. Uh, they got to see a lot of familiar faces too. They, they, there was a lot of players between all these camps that that came out that Nebraska already had on the radar that they were able to work with and evaluate in person. And um, you know, and I think that's valuable. Being able to to be uh, you know close to a, to a player instead of you know trying to talk them into spending money to travel halfway across the country. Uh, which you know, ninety percent of kids just cannot afford to do that at, at the drop of a hat. Uh, they're able to go to their home uh, or near their home and 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 work them out in person, and uh, you know, and I think that's a valuable deal. I think I think the just having a presence in a lot of these areas, you know, being able to to wear your school colors and and be at these camps is is a big deal. I mean, just the camps that we were at alone, uh, you're talking probably. I don't know, over 3,000 kids, uh, you know, between all the camps, between Mercer, FAU, FIU, and, and South Florida, there's probably uh, between 2,500 and 3,000 kids easy uh, that they were able to get in front of. Did you think you, okay, if you broke down all the camps you were at, Nate, do you think you saw 500 kids that could play Division One football? Absolutely. And no to, put it, in, in to put it in perspective, in the state of Nebraska, if you count the Dakotas, if you're not counting the Dakotas, there's only about five. You could count Nebraska, South Dakota, Iowa, all the bordering states, and and you wouldn't have seen as many. You wouldn't see that many so division. I think guys. that's what people have to look at. Like when we go to these events, like when particularly Florida International, it's a Friday. Night, it was Thursday night this year, but it's typically been a Friday night camp, yep. and you're just in there on a Friday night, and your head's just spinning. Because you're like, I see more guys. Like, I could just take a bunch. I mean, Mike Riley years ago said it best to me. He goes, you know, there's a lot of kids in here. <laughs> the problem is, I don't know. You don't know who they are. You don't know their story. You don't know their background. And, and, and that's probably the challenge when you go into a foreign land. I mean, it's like being shipped off into China and trying to just find something, you know, you have to learn everything about it and yep. find guys that fit your culture. And DiCaprio Boodles, really the best example of that, you find this guy that runs the best 40 in Doral City Park. That was before the Adidas Tour and ran the best 40 that day. Then you find out he had a brother that played for Nebraska-Omaha when they had football. We are like, well, here's a Miami kid who had a brother that played his college football already in Nebraska. This is a guy we could probably recruit. And and that's the challenge. And we saw his little brother work out. And you saw his little brother at, at work FIU. out. At FIU, yeah, who's going to be a freshman next year. So, yeah, that's the challenge, Nate, is finding the guys that fit this at Nebraska. Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, at a lot of these camps, at the especially, you know, FIU, FAU, um, yeah, there's between those two camps, there's probably uh, – between those two alone, there's probably close to 500 Division One type of athlete there. Uh, but – you have to find the right kids that, that fit, um, you know, that are willing to not only leave home and, and go to a place like Nebraska, but um, that are also, you know, going to be mentally prepared to do that. Uh, you know, a lot of kids will say, well, yeah, I'll, I'll leave home or, yeah, I want to get out of the state of Florida or, or you know, I want to go experience something new. But um, it's, it's different once you actually do it and you're faced with some adversity or you're faced with your first snowstorm or whatever, you know, you're, you're homesick. Um, you know, it takes a, a different type of kid to be able to, to stick it through and, and to handle that. And, um, you know, you, you got to find those right types of kids. But, um, you know, I think one difference between the previous staff and this staff is that 
they've they're so well connected or they have a lot more connections in Florida, especially in South Florida. Um, that, you know, I didn't see, you know, coaches from Booker T. Washington and Miami Northwestern and Georgia power programs. Yeah. Like I didn't see those coaches going up to the previous staff. Um, but you saw that happen at pretty much every stop that we were at, um, where there were, and Javon DeWitt wasn't even there and he's their primary guy down there. Yeah. And, you know, and, uh, Fisher is really tied in down in in Miami too, especially, you know, Miami Dade County, but you're right. I mean, DeWitt's the one, he, he's the main guy down there. And I can't tell you how many people saw my shirt, the Husker online shirt that I was wearing and said, Oh, they asked me about Javon DeWitt. How's he doing? We're, you know, we we're, you know, we're, we're thinking about him so on and so forth. So, uh, I mean, just those types of things. I mean, that, that, that tells me that Nebraska, has got a lot more connections has you know has more of a, they speak the language yeah, down there yeah have, they've got a more of a presence and, and they know the lay of the land down there better and you than, have to speak the language down there yeah you have to um i mean it's you got to know how to work you, you got to know the ins and outs of of the coaching staffs the 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 trainers the, the uncles the uncles the, <laughs> the hand i mean it's it, it is a it's yeah there's there's street agents and and how many uncles and street agents did you meet on your trip to florida wow I mean, I, I'd say you you meet a couple dozen every every year you go down there, and a lot of times they'll recognize you too when you when you come back. Coach, hey, hey, coach, good to see you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's always fun, uh, kind of talking with those guys, and and every guy's got a guy. That's, and they got a business card they give you yep, a lot of they, times. A lot, some of them have business cards, and and they all got a guy that's going to be playing the NFL in a couple years, and he's he'll play at Nebraska, or he'll you know he'd be willing to to go to Nebraska, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just a it's it's a unique experience, and and I know that some people you know kind of question it when there's no commits that come out of it, or there's only a couple offers that come out of a camp that had 800 kids, where you know where uh, you know 300 of them probably. You it's know, our job to go though. Yeah. Our subscribers to HuskerOnline.com. By the way, if you're not a subscriber, you should subscribe. They pay for exclusive access to the mm-hmm. football program. When the Nebraska coaching staff is on the road doing these events, it's our duty to go to these events for our subscribers. And that's how I look at it as a guy that operates the business, making the decisions for us to go on these things. Yeah, and, and you get valuable stuff out of it. And and like we've said earlier in the show, it's, it's an investment for the coaching staff, and I think it's an investment for us because – um, you know, just just this week where you had uh, Santino Marucci, who's a 2021 quarterback that, that picked up an offer. Well, we wouldn't know anything about the kid except for the fact that, hey, he was at the Florida Atlantic camp where uh, Mario Ver, uh, Verduzco was able to watch him work out in person. And, um, you know, we, we, we watched that happen. We watched that sequence take place in person. And so uh, that gives us a different perspective on the whole deal. And, and I think that's, that's, that's kind of what, you know, what makes it worth it and, and what sets, you know, what's kind of differentiates uh, being there from not being there. Nate, uh, briefly here as we wrap it up, Blaze Gunnerson will make his official visit to Lincoln. He's got an Iowa State thing on the docket. Do you think there's a chance he could commit this weekend in Nebraska still and not go to Iowa State? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a chance. And uh, and I guarantee you Nebraska's – I don't think they're going to, like, tell him you need to do this, but they're, they're, they're going to be doing whatever they can to get him to, to shut things down this weekend, I believe. Um, I'm not counting on that happening. I think that 
I think that uh, he probably will go ahead and, and visit Iowa State, um, you know, next weekend before making a decision. But at the same time, I would not be surprised whatsoever if he did uh, if he did go ahead and commit to Nebraska. I think Nebraska is the team to beat. It's gotten a lot more competitive here over the last couple of weeks with Iowa coming back into the picture. Uh, Iowa State's always been pushing hard, and I think they were the the team to beat uh, for a long time before Nebraska kind of overtook that spot. But um, this is a guy Nebraska really, really wants, and they're pushing extremely hard for that. They're, they're, you know, you've got Turner Corcoran that's heavily involved in this deal too. You've got, uh, you know, I think Logan Smothers. I mean, really everyone, everyone that's uh, you know committed to Nebraska and, and and all the coaches and everybody, they're they're on Blaze Gunnerson uh, real hard, and he's very he's a valued target, and and I think that. Uh, at the end of the day, whenever the decision comes, I do think that he'll end up at Nebraska, but I'm not positive that it'll happen this weekend. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend. Make sure you're on the Husker Online site as well. A full reaction of the baseball hire. Uh, we assume that's happening here. And then, obviously, plenty of coverage from both Friday Night Lights and the Adidas Nebraska Pipeline Camp. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.